Welcome to Fitness Freedom, helping you break through your personal prison in your body and mind. Hosted by Mike Mahoney. Mike owns fitnessexpose.com and is a fitness industry evangelist, teaching others what to watch out for and steering them in the direction of the reputable few. He is a certified personal trainer with a passion for helping other people reach their goals. If you're tired of knocking the results you want and are looking to be inspired, look no further. Fitness Freedom will inspire and motivate you to achieve your goals. Let's get started. All right. Well, with me today is uh, Colin Ducharme, and um, he's been training for the last 10 years, and he's currently coaching a nationally ranked power lifter, and um, he's working on recovering from a near-fatal car crash. So, so how are you doing today, Colin? Good, good. Just going on like, like usual, I guess. Well, what what is usual anyway? What 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 kind of things do you normally do? Um, as of late, pretty much uh, wake up, hobble out of bed like I'm ninety, do a little bit of cardio just to get the blood pumping, and uh, go into physical therapy, do everything I need to do to try to keep moving forward. And how is that going for you? Uh. Like most things, it's you know it's got its good days, it's got its bad days. Sometimes I get a little too uh, too excited, do a little too much, and it you know puts me back a couple couple steps, and then uh, you know rest, recover, learn my lesson, and mess up later on down the road. Right, right. So you you say you started training when you were 16 years old. What got you hooked on it so early? Um, honestly, it was. I mean, I don't want to say it was a mistake, but it was just kind of a fluke. Um, I was in a JROTC program in high school and got put in charge of about 30 kids. And I've always been one of those, you know, lead from the front. I'm not a, I'm not a do as I say, not as I do kind of person. It's, I'd rather be at the front, you know, having people follow me. And uh, we had a physical fitness assessment that we had to do twice a year, and I wanted everyone to pass, but I myself couldn't pass the run, so started, you know, with with real basic body weight push-ups, sit-ups, running, pull-ups, things like that. Um, of course, I've always been someone who likes to read and learn, so I started looking up the best way to, you know, get better at push-ups. I could do about five before I couldn't do any more, and uh, realized how much how much knowledge was out there. Um, from there, it just kind of kind of moved on. I wanted to join the military and you know, realized I needed to improve my fitness more and that kind of pushed that farther. Um, picked up a job at a supplement shop and realized I knew nothing about supplements. So started learning about that. And when I realized just how much there was to learn, you know, and, and how much it changed on a daily basis to kind of, you know, it, it hooked me. I, I love learning new things and the fitness industry is something that really doesn't go stale. You know, you take a couple days off, you come back and you're like, Oh wow, that's that's changed now. That's that's not the <laughs> right. <laughs> that's not the paramount of training anymore. That's not the nutritional advice anymore. It's a day to day thing. Well, I I know you're I know you're the kind of person that likes to learn. So like ten years ago, I know it wasn't as easy to find information as now. Um, where did you go to get your information? Uh, 
internet, honestly. Um, I mean, it's still, it was, it was a little, it was a little harder than it was now. I mean, there's a lot more knowledge online. There's a lot more forums online. Um, you know, back when I started, a lot of the forums I use now were either, you know, very well hidden or, you know, it was, you could only find them if you knew people They really didn't come to the, the public eye for a long time, which, um, you know, that made it a little harder to learn some of the more, I guess, advanced things. Um, but aside from that, I mean, bodybuilding.com was, I think, the first search thing that popped up. And I read that, right. like, you know, every day, read something new, and then I realized, oh, hey, these two ideas go against each other. So, you know, it made me branch out to other websites and things just to see, you know, this website has conflicting opinions from two different writers. What does the rest of the world have to say about it? And I realized, oh, there's 20 opinions on this, 30 opinions. <laughs> right. Opinions. You know, there's always a new opinion to read. So, you know, you can't really get bored with it because there's always something, something slightly different. Well, what do you think? What do you think is the biggest thing you've learned about nutrition in the last 10 years? Like the most important thing that you, you might take with you into the future even? Um, you know, it's actually kind of funny because I've, I've messed around with a lot. Um, I've tried, you know, Atkins, keto, I, I've tried everything the, the, the traditional bodybuilding, you know, just eat meat only type and no carbs, no fats and yada, yada. And I, I realized, and this was kind of just looking back on my childhood, not really even like notes, or anything, journals or anything like that. It was just. I grew up, you know, I'm part Japanese. I grew up every day. My dad would make a pot of rice and every day I had rice and I learned, you know, for me, the way I grew up, the way I ate when I grew up, that is something that my body handles the best. So while you have, you know, you have all these trainers that they preach brown rice, brown rice, brown rice, yams, yams, yams. I can't eat those. They just sit in my stomach and make me feel full and make me bloated. I feel miserable. Um, I can eat, literally eat and then kilogram of rice and still lose weight, like just straight up long grain white rice. And I, I can diet on that. Most people look at me like I'm crazy, but you know, I, my body, that's what I was used to growing up with. That's what my body kind of learned to, you know, utilize as, as an energy source. And I tell a lot of people, you know, look back at what you grew up on, look back at what you normally would eat or what you, what you ate when your body was developing. And it seems to, you know, give them the best results. They, they grew up eating potatoes. They find potatoes tend to agree the best with them and allow them to, you know, function better versus someone who grew up eating oatmeal for breakfast. And they're like, Oh, I love oatmeal. I feel great on oatmeal. It helps me, you know, when I'm trying to diet or when I'm trying to bowl. So, I mean, the best thing I ever learned was just listen to your body. I mean, everyone will tell you something, but until you realize what works for you, until you realize what what you yeah. uh, handle best, you, you're not going to really make those results that you, you want to make. Yeah, it makes, it makes sense. Too many people get um, sucked in by all the misinformation, and they think that there's the the one best way when really there might be the one best way for them individually but the person sitting next to them it's not going to work for them and what works for the person sitting next to them isn't going to work for them and that so that's that's definitely an important thing to learn because um you know it's it's your body that you're working with not someone else's body so that's really key um exactly. and there was 
there was a thing I had read, uh, you know, I was looking at, at diabetes and things like that. And I, I don't quite remember the source, but there was a study done and it showed a lot of, um, a lot of people of Native American descent from like Southwest America. They ate a very, very high fiber diet. I mean, we're talking 200 plus grams because they were eating a lot of, of cactus and things like that. And they have an incredibly high instance of diabetes because their genetics, they weren't used to eating, you know, refined sugar or, or carbohydrates. It was basically all fiber. So telling, you know, telling these people, oh, you want to bulk on, you know, on sweet potatoes and yams and this and that. Their bodies are predispositioned not to handle carbohydrates. So yeah. for them doing something closer to keto would be better overall for their health than, you know, the traditional six meals of, of brown rice and oatmeal and sweet potatoes and <laughs> so on and so forth. But, you know, it's all subjective. They might, you might find the one out of a hundred that grows like a weed on that and other, other people develop, you know, health issues off of it. So it sounds like your advice is to uh, find out what works for you and then be consistent and stick to that. Exactly. Look, look easiest way is just kind of look at what you, you grew up with. I mean, obviously, if you grew up in McDonald's, you're probably going to be in for a, a really rough time. But uh, if you grew up <laughs> eating a specific, a specific food group, you know, you grew up eating, eating potatoes. A lot of my, a lot of my relatives, they're, they're country. They're, you know, Oklahoma, Midwest, and that's what they grew up on. And that's what, you know, they feel best at. That's what they maintain healthy, healthy body weight fat. And doctors are like, how are you eating steak and potatoes every day? And they grew up on it and they're, they're the healthiest on that versus, you know, chicken and, and salad every day. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It makes sense, especially since we know that the body adapts to pretty much everything you do. Um, it sounds to me like, you know, you, you're absolutely right. They, they found out that you, because of what you eat when you're growing up, you kind of adapt to that. Um, even yeah. using, even using an example of someone who grew up in McDonald's, I think while they're probably going to be, um, a bit more overweight, I think they also actually adapt and, um, it, it isn't as bad for them as it might be for you or me. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's the genetics of everything. They, they, they've seen, you know, the, the physical factors of growing up. They've had people who are incredibly active that play, you know, um, track and field in high school to do shopping. Right. These guys just grow into these bulky athletes. And then the people that do long distance running through high school, they tend to be the senior, small joints, you know, narrow shoulders that are designed to run distance. And, you know, they've even, they've done studies with the twin brothers and the difference in their physiques. You're like, there's no way they're twins because they did two, com two completely opposite ends of the spectrum as far as training and their bodies developed. Right. So, I mean, genetically, they're pretty much the exact Yeah, I know. It's, it's interesting because I grew up around sports and it's true, like, um, people who play volleyball tend to be tall and lean and, you know, like baseball or softball players are a little, a little huskier and a little more solidly built. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting how, it, what sport you choose even, um, what activity you do on a regular basis kind of, um, shapes your body, so to speak. Um, it's kind of, it is kind of interesting. So, so tell me, what do you do? Like a lot, I get a lot of people telling me, I just don't have the motivation to, to, to go train. So, so what is it that you do when you don't feel like training, but you know you should? I don't. <laughs> you just don't train? I mean, 
Just take the day <laughs> off? I, you know, I, I, honestly, it's, it's hit and miss because there's some days where I just, I know I don't, you know, I know I don't have it in me and I'm not going to go and, and beat myself up and just feel worse and, you know, and, and kill whatever motivation or little motivation I have. Um, you know, especially with covering, I noticed, like, you know, I hate using the word because again, but I'll notice when over train, I feel miserable and I have to take a couple of days off. But when I'm really, and as dark as it sounds, when I'm really, really needing that motivation, I was because it was. You know, it, it really came down to I was the only person that helped. You know, I I sat there and watched people just stare at me and walk past me and look at me like I was dumb because they thought I had caused this, this car accident. Nobody tried to help me out of my car. Nobody, you know, my my car is on fire. And I had to, you know, pull myself out. I had to get myself up. I had to get out to safety. I had to go out and find somebody to, you know, call my wife and things like that. It all came down to me, and it was, you know, even doctors told me if it weren't for the fact that I trained regularly and, and had worked out so much, I probably wouldn't have been able to get out of the car. So I realized when, when life really wants to give you the middle finger, it comes down to what you have, and, you know, it's kind of like, I need to go do this, because if something happens again, I need to be as strong as I can be, as fit as I can be, to take care of myself because I can't, you know, obviously I can't rely on random strangers to, to take care of me. And it's morbid, but it gets me through my sessions. You know, my worst times, it's been me having to do it. So I need to make sure I'm prepared. Well, tell me, tell me about that accident. I mean, bring me, bring, I mean, you just said you, people were kind of staring at you like, like you were the cause of the accident. No one wanted to help. Um, you said that you, uh, your training helped you get out, but like, what, what was going through your head? Like, how did, how did you motivate yourself to, to pull yourself out of there? Um, it was pretty much my life. My, I, I remember, it's funny cause I remember the entirety of the action. I remember you know, from the moment, you know, a couple seconds before to, you know, I, I can remember what it felt like when my, when I was first hit, when my head hit the steering wheel, all that, when I opened my eyes and saw, you know, the whole left side of my car was just completely screwed up. And my, my only thought was I needed to get out because somebody needed me. You know, that was, that was my thing is I, I can't, can't afford to die here. You know, I got someone that needs me around. Um, you know, and that that motivation is kind of what got me out of the car. It wasn't wasn't like a, a a panic of oh my gosh and freak out. It was just like, nope, can't be in here right now. Got to get out. Got to find someone to call or let her know I'm okay. You know, Got to be around. And that that got me up and, and out. Well, it kind of goes to show that what people say about having a reason why you're doing what you're doing. Um, it's essential everywhere. Like even, you know, you get into an accident, something that I guarantee you never planned for 
and yet you were able to immediately take action to help yourself because you, A, saw no one else was going to do it, and B, you had somebody depending upon you, so you uh, you pushed yourself to do something maybe you wouldn't have done otherwise. Who knows? Yeah, no, I I, I can definitely... Uh... I can definitely see the circumstances being different if, if there wasn't other people relying on me. I don't, I don't know where I would. Be. Yeah, it's it's pretty scary. So, how has that accident changed your approach towards fitness? Um, it's actually it's done a couple things because I I I never really looked at the small stuff. You know, I'd, I'd always see. You know, people would talk about the little things to make everything better overall, and I would ignore some of it. I'd do some of it, you know, half-heartedly. And um, you know, after my accident, it was just I, I couldn't do what I normally did. I had horrible, horrible damage to my excuse me, my left uh, my left hip and SI joint, and um, you know, I had a pelvic upslip of about two inches, but then my left leg had rotated inward, which made up for the two inches. So I didn't walk with like a limp, but my whole body was completely out of whack. So, you know, I was forced to really take a step back. I had a torn MCL and, um, you know, it wasn't bad enough to do surgery, but for about a month and a half, two months, I couldn't, couldn't bend it fully. So I had to learn how to, you know, strengthen my, my hamstrings, strengthen my glutes, strengthen my hip, my core. You know, a lot of my training focus went to basically what, what most people will just kind of do in pass, they'll hit their, their hips and their glutes squatting. If, if they're lucky, a lot of people don't even, you know, have glute activation in their squat. You know, guys want to hit abs all day, every day, show them off, but I'm doing, you know, more work for the, the deeper core muscles, the ones you don't get to see, but I'm still doing them, you know, frequently because I know I'm going to need these muscles if I want to continue walking or continue, you know, training or anything like that and um you know it, it i don't want to say it did more harm than good but uh you know i i discovered a lot of what i was doing helped but it was just kind of a band-aid on the situation because i didn't have i had enough scarring and, and swelling that basically my my glutes and my hamstrings didn't fire and my lower back and quads took over everything that i did so, you know, it just kind of, it was the only reason I was able to walk without a cane until I started physical therapy. And then they just looked at me and said, you are completely screwed up and this is going to be a fun time. So, <laughs> it, was a, it was a good learning experience and, and my PT is awesome. Um, you know, and, and she knows I'm fairly well versed in training in the body, so she doesn't kind of water things down to explain them to me. She can get into the science behind it. And, you know, I understand it. And if I have a, a concern or if I have an idea of what's going on or what's causing a problem, she'll actually look into it and realize, Oh, Hey, you know, you're right. This is, this is what's going on. Let's work on it. Versus, you know, I just kind of go in and say, Oh doc, this hurts. I don't know why it's like, this hurts. I think this is why. And you know, she takes a look and says, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Let's get this fixed. And, you know, then we keep progressing forward with it. it, it it's not as fast as I'd like, but hey, you know, I'm still progressing. 
Well, do you think, when you were talking about that, it made me think about this. Do you think that having the knowledge that you had prior to the accident um, has been a bigger benefit to you during your physical therapy? Definitely. Um, you know, I, I, I think it, you know, like I said, I mean, it kind of served as a Band-Aid, but conversely, had I not been doing that, I would have, you know, I would have been in a much worse place if I had just been sitting around because I had no idea what to do. I had no idea what, what muscles needed to be strengthened and involved. I would have started my physical therapy, you know, I, I think I started from my, my low back after my concussion therapy. It was about five months. So I would have spent five months not really doing much, which would have just atrophied everything and made it a hundred times worse. So when I actually got into my, um, you know, my therapy for my back, I had strength. I had some muscular hypertrophy to, you know, basically just have there. Um, and I was able to, you know, progress a lot faster. What, what most people would be doing for a month, I was doing week and a half, two weeks before I progressed. So a lot of my movements, it was, okay, now we need to change. We've already kind of maxed out on what you can do with this. And if it, it weren't for the fact that I knew what to do in the beginning, I, I would have, I'd probably be looking at a good two and a half years of therapy versus like a year and a half I'm most likely looking at now. Right, right. It makes sense. I mean, I think, I, I tell this to people all the time, like, one of the reasons why I have a lot of respect for just, you know, bodybuilding competitors in general is uh, how much they know their body. Um, it's, it's no miracle that they can go in like a 12-week period from being completely fat and out of shape to shredded. Um, it's because they, they, they listen to their body and they know exactly what to do and when. I mean, I even there's, there's a story, a guy that I know who was going for his pro card and um, he was taking advice from one person and one person only the whole time, um, which is something they say you should do uh, when you're trying to compete. That way you're staying consistent. And right before the judging, he had like a lot of dry mouth and someone gave him a piece of gum. And it was, oh. was sugar-free, and it was sugar-free gum. Well, the um, xylitol that was inside of the gum started retaining water, and well, you can uh, figure out what happened after that. Uh, and it's something that he kicks himself for to this day because he said he knew putting that gum in his mouth that he shouldn't be putting that gum in his mouth. Um, but yeah. he he let the the need to get rid of that dry mouth overtake the knowledge he had in his head. So kind of cost him his pro card that yeah. day. And see, that's, that's the, that's the, sad thing. yeah, that's, that's the sad thing is people will pay thousands of dollars. And you see it online all the time. You go on forum and you see it all the time. Hey guys, my coach put me on this, but I'm not losing weight fast enough. Do you think I should do this? You're paying a guy like three grand, four grand through the contest. But you're going to go on an online forum with people who, <laughs> who knows what they look like, who knows what they actually know. And you're going to ask them for advice when you could just email your, your coach and say, hey, dude, like, I kind of feel like this is, you know, too many calories because I'm not losing weight. It's like, oh, okay, let's tweak it. Or no, just stick with it because you got to wait, you know, two, three weeks for that glycogen that you have to, you know, go away. And then you'll start seeing the results. And, you know, or, or my favorite, when I was younger, um, 
I worked at a gym and of course I did graveyard. So a lot of people would come to me because there was no trainers, you know, on the clock at that time. And Hey, what should I do? Hey, how should I do this? Hey, do you have any advice? And a lot of people, I would give them advice and they would get great results, you know, and it was always like, Oh, I just want to tone up, look good for the club, yada, yada. Well, they would start seeing results pretty quickly. They would start making strength gains pretty quickly. They'd be super stoked. And then it's, Oh, well, my friend said I need to do this. So then they would go off with a friend and I'd see them six months later and they would have, you know, they'd have reverted back to their old self, but they'd be even in a worse position because they, you know, they, whether they injured themselves or they just got discouraged and, and said, you know, screw it. I'm, I'm, this isn't for me because clearly my, my body's genetics don't like it or whatever. And it's like, well, if you just stuck with me in the first place, you could have been, you know, kept progressing, but you wanted to go listen to your buddy who said, oh, well, you should just do this instead. Like, I'm the one that sees you work out every day. I'm the one that sees what you can and can't do. Your friend you see at the club on the weekends, who do you think got a better eye for, you know, you making progress? Or who's got a better eye for what works for you? And, you know, a lot of people, they, they just want... You know, they want someone, they want to find someone that will validate their own opinion. They don't actually want the help. You right, know, right. I agree argue, with you. Hey, this is how I should do it. Well, no, this, you know, this $3,000 a month coach tells you to do it this way. Well, I think I should do it this way. So I'm going to go on forums until I find someone that agrees with me so that I do that as, you know, as somehow justifying throwing away thousands of dollars on and doing my own thing and completely screwing up and then blaming which because I didn't listen to what he said. Right. Like, well, you're an idiot. <laughs> I mean, that's no. a nice way to put it. All right. Well, we're kind of running out of time. So I wanted to ask you um, to tell the listeners, you know, just, what would your number one piece of advice be to someone who has been kind of sedentary and now they're trying to get healthier? I'm not even going to say get into shape. I kind of hate that term, um, but they just want to get healthier and um, live a better life. Baby step. That's, that's, that's really it. I mean, a baby, you know, think of a baby. They learn to crawl. And they learn to stand and fall over, and then they learn to walk, and they learn to run. You know, too many people, they want to come in on their New Year's resolution and do, you know, an hour of cardio every day and an hour of weight and be perfectly healthy. Well, just start by going to the gym and just walk on a treadmill for 20 minutes three times a week. And then bump that up to 30 minutes three times a week. And then add weights in, you know, then add, you know, instead of, cutting all your, your bad foods out and just going full bore, cut soda and cut, you know, fruit juice and then cut fast food, you know, one meal a week of fast food or two meals a week of fast food, whatever. Just make that slow progress because it'll give you the, the confidence as you continue to succeed, as you start doing your three sessions a week and then all of a sudden you bump it up to four. It's, oh yeah, I did it. Cool. You know, you give up soda. All right, I managed to quit soda. Cool. I'm more confident. Yep. I yep. give up. You know, I can give up McDonald's once a week. 
Yes, I did this. Okay, I can give it up three times a week. Yes, I did it. Okay, I can give it up altogether. Yes, I did it. And build that confidence just through the baby steps. You know, you're going to mess up, so you mess up. Just keep moving forward. You know, yeah. don't don't let it destroy you. Don't say, oh, well, I ate bad food this week. My whole diet's ruined. Say, okay, I ate a bad meal. I'm just going to continue exactly what I had planned. I'm not going to go on some crash diet for a day to make up for it or do 10 extra hours of cardio. I'm just going to, like a baby, I'm going to keep moving forward until I know how to walk. Yeah, I think that's great advice. It's actually um, my absolute favorite tip to give to people who come to me and ask that same question. So we're definitely in agreement. I think it's because, you know, I once had a lady call me and say she wanted to lose 100 pounds. And I said, oh, that's great. You know, I'm glad you want to lose 100 pounds. When, what, what's your goal for that? Well, I want to lose it by my birthday. Well, of course, the obvious next question is, when is your birthday? And um, we're t- we were talking in November, and her birthday was in February. And um, I basically told her, you know, that's an unrealistic goal. You want to break that goal way, 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 way down into smaller, smaller, smaller pieces because you can only imagine how long it would take to lose 100 pounds. So yeah. if you're, if that's your ultimate goal, great. But how about we put some other little goals in there and you and you have some lifestyle change uh, goals and you you make – little tiny steps forward and yeah you're right you're gonna you're gonna sometimes you're gonna take three steps forward and go four back sometimes you're gonna take three steps forward and only go one back but you're going in the direction you need to go and and it's so much easier if you don't try to bite off this huge bite you just start taking smaller bites Um, they say that's the one of the time management things you know how do you if your things to do are a frog how do you eat the frog well one bite at a time You you don't stuff the whole frog in your mouth so um, that's great advice. I really appreciate that. I think people need to learn that and maybe write it on a piece of paper and put it up on their mirror in their bathroom that just keep taking baby steps and you'll get there. Yep. Like, like I remember when I was a little younger, the phrase everyone said was just keep swimming. You know, that's, that's all you can do. I mean, you can't, you can't make it go away any quicker. You can't lose the weight any faster. You know, you can't make your dream body appear overnight. And some people's dream bodies, they don't, you know, they expect it to be an overnight thing, but they don't realize that it's, you know, months and months and months, or depending on where you're at, it could be a year or two, you know. Yeah. It's not as cool as I ate healthy once. You know, I ate my piece of lettuce, where's my abs? (laughs) I ate my lettuce for 12 weeks and did all my cardio and weightlifting perfectly. And maybe I have abs because I wasn't, too you know too bad to start awesome well thanks for being with me today we're we're kind of running out of time so i'm gonna end this here but i really appreciate your time um is there anything else you want to add before we close out um yeah you know i one thing i've always kind of run into is you get a lot of parents if they want to make the excuses of getting, you know, getting fit because they have kids, they're busy, whatnot. Um, and I've, I've seen some pretty, pretty bad off parents health wise. And, you know, if you're a parent looking, you know, thinking you can't go to the gym, you can't get in shape because you have kids to take care of. You need to do this. You need to do that. Yeah. It's nice to see your children when they're young and they're growing up, but when they're three and four, they're not going to remember a whole lot of that. They're going to remember it when they're 16, 17, 18, 19, you know, 
they're going to remember you walking them down the aisle when they get married. So it's best to do it for them than to try to use them as the excuse because would you rather see them, you know, would you rather see your grandkids and be able to play with them? Or would you rather be gone before grandkids is even a, a thought in your, your children's eyes, you know, or your yeah. children's mind? That's a great point. That's a great point. And um, with that, I think we'll end it here. Um, but that's great advice. And um, keep up the progress with your uh, with your physical therapy. I'm sure that um, it's not as fast as you want, but in the end, it's all it's just like the advice you just gave. It's baby steps. Um, you'll get there. And um, you'll be better off because of it. So um, that's all for today, guys. So thanks again. Thanks, Colin, for for being on the show. And um, we look forward to talking to you again really soon. I hope you all learned as much from Colin as I did. Now for the tip of the show. When trying to lose weight, the most important variable is what you eat. No amount of hard work in the gym will enable you to outwork a bad diet. It is important to maintain a balanced diet that is rich in fruits, vegetables, complex carbohydrates, and complete proteins, along with healthy fats. Be consistent with this eating approach and you will see some amazing results. And that was the tip of the show. There is so much misinformation in the fitness industry that it amazes me anyone can navigate through all the information and find what they need. As a means of helping you with that, I've created the no baloney moment. People will have you think that to lose weight, you should be doing a load of cardio. The fact is that cardio is just one tool in your tool belt, and like all tools, it needs to be used correctly. When adding cardio to your routine, be sure to start out with a low number of minutes so that you can adjust it later. If you start out doing an hour of cardio at every session, you have no place to adjust later when you hit that eventual plateau. If instead you start out with 20 minutes each session and you track your progress, you can always add 5 minutes to your cardio session. You will begin seeing results again. The next time you hit a plateau, simply add a little more time to your cardio session. It works like a charm. This was another no baloney moment. You can listen to the entire collection on YouTube by going to fitnessexpose.com forward slash TV. Hey, this is Mike. I sure hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing in iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or by going to fitnessexpose.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening to Fitness Freedom, helping you break through your personal prison and your body and mind. You can find Mike's ebook on five steps to getting into the best shape of your life at fitnessexpose.com forward slash podcast. Go there right now for your free gift of five steps to getting into the best shape of your life. Feel free to reach out to Mike directly on Facebook or Twitter. Go to fitnessexpose.com forward slash Twitter and his Facebook fitnessexpose.com forward slash Facebook. Until next time, create your freedom through fitness.